Welcome everyone to the Time to Unblind podcast uh, by Watch Gecko. I'm your host, Anthony, and joining us are our usual crowd of fabulous contributors whose uh, voices you'll be well used to by now. Say hello, James. Hello, James. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. <laughs> ben? Hello, Tim. Fantastic. Um, now, we've got some great news for you. Well, we think it's great news. You'll probably think the exact opposite. Because, as I said, um, you've been used to hearing our voices for a long period of time. And so you will now continue. But not only will you be able to hear our voices from now on, you'll also be able to see us. Because as of next time, we're introducing a brand new format to our Time to Unwind podcast. It will feature not only our dulcet tones, but also our dulcet faces, because we're going to film it and we're going to put it online on YouTube, anywhere really where people will want to uh, watch us. I've no idea where that is. Have you got any idea, James? You look like somebody's had a sort of like glittering Hollywood career. Where do people come to watch other people? (laughs) Um, A few things spring to mind. Not sure I can mention them on here, though. Right, well, <laughs> leaving behind James's exhibitionist career, let's move on to Tim. Where, where, where is everyone going to be able to see us in the future? Um, I think it's a bit of a boring answer. It, probably just YouTube. Yeah. Just YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a few clips on Instagram, but but I think we'll, we'd probably just go for YouTube. Not Broadway? Um, no, not maybe not yet. The West End. We might get screen. there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you, you, nothing wrong with YouTube, is there, Ben? You, we like YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like a bit of that. All sorts of things you can see on YouTube. Lots of great um, shows about watches, which we look at all the time. We also look at, um, at a few shows about cars, including um, Car Throttle. That's good, isn't it? Hold out your hands. Oh, that's what I do for that one. You committed to that. <laughs> this is the sort of quality show that you'll be able to see live in the future. I bet everyone's excited now, aren't they? I mean, yeah. How could Quaking. you not be? How could you not be? Yeah, so for those not in the know, hold out your hand is in fact the catchphrase of Mike Rutherford. Um, and he is, how do you describe him? Mike Brewer. Brian Brewer, not Mike Rutherford. He's another journalist. I'm so sorry, Mike, if you're listening. <laughs> Mike, there is, there is a motoring journalist called Mike Rutherford. And now we've obviously sort of like, sort of, uh, I don't know if we've sort of like slagged him off or whatever. But anyway, he's not who I meant. Mike Brewer is who I meant. He's a well known used car uh, guru. That's the word I was yeah. after. And um, do you know what? I, I think we should actually invite him to come on our new show at some point. Do you think he knows much about watches? Uh, I think yeah. I've seen him wear a Daytona, I think, on some of the TV shows. But, you know. Yeah, I wonder how much you paid for it. I reckon in green, or was it a monkey <laughs> or a pony? <laughs> Could be more. Could be, I imagine more. Probably yeah. more, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to sell him a Daytona? I mean, that would be a nightmare. It'd be terrifying. It? You know, nightmare, it would yeah. sort of like. In, in the end, you'd probably sort of like broker a deal. And how would you know when that moment came? I'm not participating in this. Go on, Ben. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> James, James, what do you think? You're asking the wrong person. Hold on, your end. Anyway, moving, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Um, honestly, it will get better when we go on film. It really will. Um, it can't get worse. <laughs> it can't get worse. Honest. It will honestly get better. Um, moving on, moving on very, very swiftly um, and putting our serious hats on. Let's talk about what's inspired us from the world of watchers this week. Um, I'm actually going to start with James because he's going to tell us about well, Christopher Ward, maybe. Do you know what you mean? 
I'm, I'm totally not being typecast. No, 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 we don't <laughs> do that here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm full of original um, desires for watches. Um, well, th- I mean, they have released uh, a lovely C65 Trident. <laughs> have they? Trident chronograph. Really? Vintage chronograph. Bicompax. Yeah. Um, I think it's, well, it's currently, technically, it's currently under embargo as re- we're recording this, but... By the time it goes live, we're going live on Friday, Friday. so it will right. be fine. Fantastic. It will be fine. Um, we're not. We're Someone not call the police. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the watch police. They're going to come around the corner. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a nice sort of um, bicompax chrono, very uh, sort of yachting inspired. Um, you know, like with the yacht time and register. Mm. Um, I think it's quite nice. Um, maybe dare I say a little busy with that fully graduated bezel. Right, but other than that, I think it's pretty much a winner but you know i mean you all know by now just how much they are doing really interesting stuff at the moment like yeah, the, the super compressor we've got in at the moment yeah, that, that yeah. looks really I mean, good like it's an actual super compressor for anyone who doesn't know already <coughs> mm. um it's not just a super compressor style yeah um so yeah yeah you know, i think they're really pushing the boat out still and like the, that that the new chronograph has screw down crowns which is something mm-hmm. that traditionally c65s haven't had and people complain so then now they're adding them which is nice to see it's nice to see they're listening to the feedback mm. um and also the loom isn't <coughs> hasn't got faux patina um they've actually added white loom which is again nice to see because everyone seems to think it's got to look aged when it doesn't just because it's a vintage inspired watch. It doesn't have to have a yellow loom all the time. Absolutely, I liked their um, world timer actually, which was out a few months ago. If you remember that, I thought it was a very distinctive watch. Yeah. Um, so you know, I may even join you in the Christopher Ward fanboy club. Boom. Absolutely. Um, so, like sticking with uh, sort of stereotypes, um, as people may know, I, I always enjoy a good racing watch. So something that caught my eye uh, a couple of weeks ago, about a week ago, in fact was the new Tag Heuer Ayrton Senna tribute watch. So basically, Tag Heuer have released a watch which pays homage to the late, great Ayrton Senna. Uh, two special edition Formula One watches, actually. Um, you can have an automatic chronograph or a quartz chronograph. And um, I rather like it. Uh, it's very much what you'd sort of expect it to be. It's got a fairly typical Tag Heuer look to it, and it's got right in the middle of the chronograph, it's got a, um, a Senna logo, and that's a double S. And what it does uh, do, this watch, it celebrates his personal speed record, uh, which uh, is 340 kilometres an hour. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, the uh, uh, Senna uh, watch. I rather like it. It's the Formula One watch, um, and you can have it. Uh, either on a leather strap or a metal bracelet. Uh, Bianca Senna, who is Ayrton Senna's niece, was uh, uh, quoted on the press release that announced it, and she said that they're very happy to be another part of another special launch, reflecting the partnership with TAG, and that the 2020 collection is inspired by Ayrton's commitment to overcoming limits. So mm. there you go, that was one that, uh, that caught my eye. Um, I'm a big fan of TAG Hoyer, always have been. Uh, to my mind, I think they're—I would say that because I've got one. But uh, I love the Ortavia. I think that's their most beautiful watch. Um, but I have to say that this Senna is something quite special. I like it on the uh, leather strap they've gone for. Yeah, it's good, <coughs> isn't it? It's kind of reflected the. It almost looks like tires, but then also replicates the metal bracelet. It does. Yeah, yeah. Well. The sort of imprint on the strap. It's it's quite clever, isn't it? Mm. What do you think of the colours? I quite like them. 
Yeah, bit bold, I think they're good. Bit bold. I mean, like you know, if you're if you're celebrating speed mm. record, you don't want to be a shrinking violet. I think I like you want to be out there. I like the uh, on the top register that alternating uh, yellow stripes. Don't we call that? Well, that's quite cool. Just quite cool little detail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it sort of looks a little bit like a ref counter, doesn't it? I think uh, that's that's probably their idea there. I've got to be honest, I'm not terribly keen on Senna between twelve and one on the bezel. That's a bit bit much for me. Well, you can't really not have you've got Senna, his logo on on Senna it watch. Twice. You've got it. You've got the S on it twice. I don't think you need any more, do you? But, I mean, I mean, depends how heavy-handed you want to be. Well. Like Look at this way. When I, was, when I was a kid, I don't know if everyone remembers this, but you used to have like little name tags sewn on your stuff. Did you have that? <laughs> yeah, Did you have yeah. like Ben Probably, and yeah. Tim and stuff? <laughs> and I often had. I had Tim. I, I had um, I had Ben, and uh, no, I didn't. I had my name, and um, <laughs> often sort of like um, it's, it's. I remember my mum once sewed two on, and I said, "Why have you got two on?" And she said, "Well, if one falls off." you'll still know it's yours. And maybe that's what Tag was thinking with the Senna. Possibly. I think it's probably more the fact that this watch is aimed pretty heavily at the motorsport side mm. of the industry rather than the watch side. So I think they're they're very... Uh, <coughs> well, they're just very... It's just business savvy. It, it will sell loads it's because overt it's branding. Senna. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. A Senna sells. Am I alone Senna in not sells. liking it? Um... It's not, why. it's not terrible. I don't hate it. Um, I, the use of yellow, I think, is quite hard to pull off in watches. Yeah. It's a difficult There's a few colour. reasons I'm not sure. I mean, the Formula One, maybe I'm alone, but it's maybe more of their like, budget range where, you know, Senna's the boy. You've got yep. to put him in the Carrera range, haven't you? Um, true. The yellow true. with <laughs> the grey. They say they've picked up on the yellow from the Brazilian flag, is it? Um, I guess so, yeah, yeah. But... You know, Senna's quite associated with JPS colours. This is very close to JPS. So when I first saw it, my first thought was, oh, they've gone JPS but got it wrong because um, it's yellow, like a weird yellow colour rather than being gold. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He's just a big boy, his, isn't he? He's 43 millimetres. Yeah, just sticking oh. stick the name oh. on and changing a few colours. I don't know. Sorry, 40, 44 actually. Considering who Senna was, I just feel like they could have done more with it to make it a bit more special, less gimmicky. Interesting. Interesting. But the price is quite good. It's surprisingly cheap for the automatic movements, two and a half grand. It's pretty good for a, for a tag, especially, you know, like a limited edition. Yeah, I'm just trying to see how limited, how limited <coughs> it is. Can you see <coughs> that information anywhere or not? Because I can't. I think it just comes back to, not in, in regards to your comment about it being gimmicky Ben it just comes back to who they're selling them for mm. yeah I think if they went for like a vintage style and <clears throat> on his center that way it probably wouldn't sell that well for the mass market it's the same way like long jeans have their heritage line but then they've also got their like hydro conquest and stuff that's the stuff that sells to the majority of people your man on your street yeah um but you know in in Tagoy's case they've got the Carreras and the, the those reissues of, of models for <clears throat> the uh the watch yeah, I mean, it I might suppose. be a history thing. Maybe he wore a Formula One watch or something. I don't know. He certainly wore a tag. I've no idea which, which one. Um, no doubt several. And while I'm on the subject, too, of uh, motorsport-related tags, um, did everyone see that the Monaco is back on a steel bracelet? Yeah. Mm, which I think nice. is very cool. Yeah. Good to see. Tim, 
Has anything caught your eye in the world of watches? Uh, yeah, in the world of watches, um, <clears throat> it's from Oris. So last week, Oris released or announced a new caliber, which was the caliber 400. Um, with the main selling points of this being in-house movement, five days of power reserve, um, increased anti-magnetic properties, um, uh, 10-year warranty and 10-year service time. So quite a lot of new of new stuff for for Oris. Um, and at the time of this uh, podcast going live, it, yesterday they announced the Oris Aquis Date, which is the first model that they've released with this new movement in. Um, so visually the watch is pretty much what you'd expect from a blue dial Oris Aquis Date. Uh, the main difference being you've got five day on the dial or five days on the dial and you've got a increased date window at six o'clock. They're kind of the two telltale signs that this is uh, a watch fi- fitted with a caliber 400. Obviously, when you turn the watch over, that's when you notice <clears throat> there's a new movement. There's two barrels, so they can provide the five days of power reserve. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a, the main... So on uh, Monday, I was invited to an Oris, a virtual Oris event, where there are a few of us there, probably about 20 or 30, and we were sent VR headsets and them on and we were in the movement we are experiencing the movement this is the uh, first time you've seen a movement from within it's yeah it was one of the first times yeah i don't think i'll um it's probably the closest i'll ever get to it i think um but yeah it was, it was really good we had experienced the watch or the movement that way and then the c or co-ceo of oris was there along with the watchmaker and he was there talking about the watches or they were talking about the watches and we were able to ask questions and stuff and i think the most interesting thing that came out of it for me was the, so the actual size of this movement so it's 28 mil by 4.75 mil. So basically what that means for watches and watches you wear on your wrist is this this movement, Oris confirmed to me that this can fit down to a case width of 38 mil. So they've introduced it on a watch that's, I think it's about 40, uh, 43 mil, but it can go all the way down to 38, which in my mind means we're going to start seeing this in pretty much every Oris yeah. you can think of, um, as well as other variations, add complications on GMTs and stuff. Um it's quite a coup, really, for them. Because like, usually, mm. like, stuff with that higher power reserve, um, you've got to fit it in a big watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they can do it in, in as you say, 38 mil is pretty, pretty nice because they're, it's they're, pretty impressive. they're open to doing pretty much whatever they want yeah. for men's watches, at least, with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time when they're on the, on the call with them, they were speaking about how um, they're real dialed in and what their customers actually want and what the actual customers wear. Um, so... They really focus on the anti-magnetic side of things. We're all surrounded by technology. Mm. Very easy to magnetize your watch. That's why they're really keen on getting that that number up. Um, Five-day power reserve. They know that a lot of their customers Mm. have more than one watch. They know they have more than one watch from Oris. Mm. Um, And they know that they don't always wear the same watch every day throughout a week. So they wanted to keep it going. Um, And also the 10-year warranty. as, As long as nothing happens to it. That's probably the biggest... Like of of the new movement, that's the biggest thing, really. Yeah, it? I think I think that that's the stuff that that people will care about mm. if you're into mechanical watches. Um, you've got a ten year warranty and a ten year service time. Well, even the layman, I think, yeah, because you tell someone, oh yeah, you don't, you, it's mechanical, but you don't have to service it for a decade, mm. and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. I'll save myself a few hundred quid over the yeah. next several, well, over the next ten years. Um, yeah, definitely. Which over like what Tudor and Rolex are doing, obviously they're the top people like for five year warranties, aren't they? Mm. So that's like, like that's immediately sort of not 
cutting into their market because it's still a different price point. But it's it's a well, clear edge over those um, next level brands mm-hmm. that Oris are obviously trying to go for. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you mentioned the price. The on the metal bracelet, this new Aquistate is two thousand seven hundred pounds. So it's a Tudor killer. So it, it it's up there with Tudor, Tudor killer. So it's it's definitely in that price bracket. Um, in my mind. It seems worth it. Oris have always been mm. the value proposition brand, and now they've stepped up and in, in introduced a better movement that, it, that stands head and shoulders above the rest of the competition at the lower price point. It kind of makes sense that yeah. now in that up a bit. And it's also interesting because it sort of explains why their prices have been rising in mm. the past few years. I mean, I don't pay too much attention, but I've noticed stuff like the 65, the Diver 65 has gone up in price. Mm. And I guess this explains it because this would have been in the works for, you know, Probably five, maybe ten I years. I think itself. it was five years. Five years. So yeah, they, they'll so. have known when they started putting prices up. We're putting the prices up because in five years' time, we'll be pitching a watch at the same level as Tudor or mm-hmm. what have you. Yeah. So it's it's exciting times for Oris. I think I, I really like what Oris do. Mm. Um, I think yeah. Now they've they've. It feels like they're about to really step up. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is exciting. They're a great company. So. Mm. What's yeah. it like to being uh, inside a watch movement? Being part of a watch movement, I've never experienced that before. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, pretty weird. Pretty weird to be sat on a barrel of a watch as you sat there looking at everything. And yeah, it's, it's, it, Oris are really good at that. They did something last year with Baswell, didn't they, where we had a similar experience. Um, and yeah, I, you know, you don't learn too much by being in it. You can just see stuff move and it is, isn't this fun? Um, but it's it's a, it's the whole experience of, of uh, interacting with Oris that... It, stuff like that also translates to like the actual end customer as well. Yeah. Sure, you might not get to experience the VR side of things, but their branding and uh, their approach to like I don't know, working with charities and stuff, it, it kind of all comes around. And they, um, you can easily invest in Iris and feel like you're a part of something. Wow, that sounds that sounds pretty amazing. Um, ben, what's uh, caught your eye in the world of watches this week? So something expensive. Brag again. Something JLC. expensive. You want to take guesses for the brand? Okay. My, my guess is not Breguet. My guess is JLC. Oh, I was going to say Breguet, so I'll stick with that. Oh, I don't know. Patek. We'll go for Patek. Richard Mill. Oh, ah, that was the other so, one I was like, do I say it? <laughs> they have a new watch called the 7201 Lifestyle Flyback Chronograph. And it is their first watch to feature a completely in-house movement. Um, so I guess people, some people might be shocked to... Th- here that they don't use in-house movements, even though their watches sell for hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, but they do partner with, you know, extremely high-end movement suppliers, which do high complications for Hotmars Piguet and Vacheron Constantine, etc. But yeah, this is a flyback chronograph, as the name suggests. The design is really cool. I think it kind of bridges on from their ultra-thin range. I'm not sure which the watch is. Is, is it 67? Or 67, like that. yeah, that rings a bell. Um, so it's a tonneau-shaped case, um, mm. integrated rubber strap. But the take on the chronograph is really cool, I think. They've got the subdials at, like, I guess it's between 1 and 2, um, and then between 4 and 5, and then at 9, um, to give quite a mm. cool asymmetric look. Also, the only Arabic numerals you can see are 11, 3, and 8, which kind of, it's not symmetrical, but it brings a symmetry to the design in its asymmetric Quality, uh, Your eye kind then, of flows through it yeah. as you look, doesn't it? And then the date sits at seven, um, mm. which is really cool. Nicely framed, works well with the movement. Um, 
in typical form. Everything is very over the top. The movement's incredible. It's got a platinum rotor, which is skeletonized, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it's very, very extra and just a, a great display of like modern watchmaking, what people can achieve and to show that not everything has been done. Yeah, I think that's definitely quite a common misconception where it's, you know, watchmaking's been around for hundreds of years. What what can be next? But this definitely shows within, you know, technology or at least in a design space, this is, is very new and it just kind of works. So do you think, Ben, this marks a change in direction for Richard Mill? Will we be seeing more in-house movements from them? or Maybe, yeah, maybe. It's quite interesting they've gone down this route. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell because they've already been very successful without needing to go down the in-house route. And obviously that would make it way more expensive. And the people that they work with uh, <coughs> existingly, which was um, Parmigiani's Fleury's uh, movement department, I think. I can't remember the name. Um, no, I can't either. But Someone. Yeah, um, and then that? also <laughs> the people that... Odmos Piguet and Vacheron have worked with Renault at Papi or something like that. They're the people who um, the Gronfeld brothers, I think, worked for and other high-end independents have worked for that movement company. And, you know, they're regarded as one of the, the greatest in the world for high-complication watches. So It's interesting. How do people feel about that? Because obviously these are very expensive watches. Do we know how much that one is? A hundred and eighty-eight thousand US dollars. Oh, quite, so quite, that's quite a lot. But I, uh, yeah, I thought it would be... More than that, and yeah. I, I know it's because the second-hand market on Richard Mille is crazy. It's still mental, but yeah, yeah, ob- but yeah, yeah. obviously, in, I yeah, can see what you mean. I mean, some of the watches like go for up to like a million. So. Yeah, I wonder if this is uh, them wanting to get a bit of the cake in terms of the pre-owned market. Let's introduce, or the sorry, the second-hand market. Let's introduce an in-house movement so we can charge a little bit more for the watch, and then people are already used to spending double on our watches. Let's have a bit of that, maybe. Yeah, potentially, or it might be because it's first in-house movement i don't know i have really got no idea but i think it looks cool Interesting. i really like it yeah i i do like it and I it's do the like first it's, well, it's, i think it's the first richard mill watch i i've always admired richard mill watches rather than liked them but <coughs> i think mm. this is the first one that i can say i like and admire mm. yeah it's cool they've marked it as unisex as well um yeah i thought it was but interesting. interesting how they've mixed in different colors I, I don't know if the case is titanium it kind of looks like it but then You've also got rose gold details on the dial. And then you also have green, orange, red, and blue. And a and yellow. yellow. Yeah, and um, yellow. <laughs> and it just kind of works. I really like the rose gold around the whole, like framing the whole watch or the whole yeah. dial. I think it looks really nice. Yeah, and then the full rose gold one looks cool. I, I like the two-tone one better, I think. Yes, um, yes, I agree. But yeah, just, just mental. That is a cool watch. That is a very cool watch. Now, speaking as we were a second ago about the second-hand market... That brings us on to one of the fascinating points of discussion for today, which is that Tim and Ben have both done incredibly well out of the second-hand market recently. Um, they've been uh, looking at all sorts of different watches, and they've both come up with two absolute gems, which <laughs> are very different. Um, so we'll talk about them in a second. But I feel a bit guilty about leaving James out here. Have you been... Looking at the second-hand market, picked up any <sighs> gems? Not for ages. Now I'm here. I'm, I'm up to my neck in watches, so I don't really need... I mean, I can tell you about previous bargains I've had. I think I've told you you before, but the listeners won't. Well, know. absolutely. I think, I, think we'll, I think we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but let's start off. Let's start off with the two watches that have arrived here. 
um, owned by uh, Tim and Ben, which they found uh, in various different places. Um, who would like to start? Who has got... Kick it off, Tim. I can go, yeah. Absolutely. It feels like we only ever buy watches at the same time. It's like one of us buys a watch. Oh, I'll buy a watch then. Yeah. It's not, never planned. No. It's subconscious uh, competition. Uh, Brinksmanship. Other subliminal yeah, level. Probably people. a bit of that, yeah. So, well, I, I've, if you're a keen listener to the podcast, you'll probably be aware that I have, uh, I don't know, it's been a while, probably past, uh, probably since we started the podcast, really, had a bit of a crush on Cartier watches. Um, I think it was just last week I mentioned them, and the week before I also mentioned an article. Might have been a week before, too. I th- yeah, I th- I, to be honest, it was And when John me. said you were weird for liking the Sintra a couple John, of months ago. Yeah, yeah that's happened. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's been a long-standing thing. Yeah, so Cartier have been on my radar for a few months now. Um, and for me, I think the main reason why I liked Cartier so much is because when I first got into watches, uh, dress watches were what I preferred. It's what I naturally went towards. And since being here to watches i've been around more and you you know you yeah what you like uh, changes but in my back of my mind i've always wanted to come back to having a dress dressy elegant watch um and i kind of wanted to dip my toe into the cartier world and just kind of see what it's like um so i originally thought oh, maybe i could get a vintage rectangular watch and you know, go that route but actually i then discovered the must de cartier tanks uh, from the i think i believe they're introduced like 70s 80s and up to the 90s and essentially, they were Cartier's response to the quartz crisis. So at a time when people were moving away from mechanical watches and quartz was the new technology, Cartier weren't selling as many watches, simple as. So their response to that was, well, let's introduce a quartz range of tanks that use the same cases. Um, they're different material. They're silver, uh, silver with gold plating. Um, but we're introduced these watches, they say Muster Cartier on the dial, and we're introduced a load of different dial variations. So they're almost like collectible. So we see some that are red, they see some that have got uh, like pinstriping on. And the particular example I went for is the men's size. Uh, they did also do a men's mechanical size, but uh, the reason I went for this one is because of the dial. So this has a Breguet numerals dial, which... Uh, I know they've done a lot of different dials, as I said, but I haven't seen a Breguet one before. Um, so most people know the Cartier as or the Cartier tank as having Roman numerals. Uh, I think everyone likes Breguet numerals. It's just mm. something cool about the styling. Massively yeah. cool. Massively um, cool. So, yeah, when I saw that was available, I actually saw it on Instagram, and I, got, I just commented on posts like, oh, this looks great. And then a few days later, he messaged me like, oh, I've actually got it for sale because I've got my grail coming through. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, the, the case is, as I said, is uh, plated. But, and to be honest, the case on that one isn't great condition. Like, ideally, you probably wouldn't have bought it based on the case. Um, I may, may, may look at replating it. Um, but, yeah, the main attraction was the dial. Um, Incredible. It's, it's, it's just stunning. Really, really stunning. I'm really happy with it, to be fair. I mean, to start with, Ben will know, was uh, the first time it arrived, I messaged him and was like, ah, looks really small on my wrist. And I knew it would be small. Mm. It's, a, it's a rectangular Cartier. It's a, it's a reduced size. I think that's actually technically smaller, slightly smaller than the modern-day tank small. So it's a small watch. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I stuck with it because I love the dial so much. And I don't know, about a week later, I've worn it every day. Um, and I've just got used to the size. It just men back in the day wore smaller watches and it, it feels less like a an obvious statement and more like a subtle piece that complements a lifestyle rather than 
being a main talking point. It, it's almost like it's there when you need it, and when you don't, it's not at all. So, I think it's beautiful. Where did you track it down from? Was it in the, the UK or was it elsewhere? Or um, I think the the guy was actually in New York. <clears throat> I think he was in New York. So, um, yeah, got it shipped over. Got to put a gold buckle on him. I know. I haven't <laughs> changed offensive. the strap at all. I was hoping to change the strap today, but I haven't actually got around to it. I like what? the strap. This strap is nice. It's mm. um, it's a black leather strap. What's the uh, lug width? Uh, eighteen mil, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I tried it. Uh, yeah, I think it's eighteen. Which uh, which strap did you want to put on there? Too? Uh, wow. Well, <clears throat> so as you said, it's on a black croc print strap at the moment. Um, I think a brown croc print could be quite interesting. Yep. I think that would work well with the yeah. gold plating. Um, I would like to try grey as well. Hands are blued as well. Okay. So Hands are heat blued, yeah. So that'll look very good with the brown? That will look really nice, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously that'll pick up on the crown as well with the, with the uh, blue cabaret on that. So, yeah, possibly brown, uh, grey. I love grey straps, they're versatile. Um, so I was thinking that that could be quite interesting. Might, might tone it down a little bit, a bit more casual. It's very unconventional to have a 925 still in silver case. That that was the other thing that interests me as well is that it's it is a silver case rather than mm. just a steel plated one. Did they ever do them like unplated, just the bare silver? Uh, I think they did. Ooh. I think they have. Yeah, either they have, or the examples I've seen have just been <laughs> so just, <warm. laughs> just remove every bit of gold plating and sell it as a silver watch. I, I think I think they might have. Is that a route you might go down? Or uh, I, I did talk about that with Ben, but I, I don't know. I think it would be a bit awkward because then you've then got the crown as well. I'll attack it with the drum. Yeah. <laughs> Cartier Bastarda. Yeah. <laughs> but no, for now, uh, I'll, I'll keep it how it is. And I think eventually it will become my dressier watch. But for now, it's a bit of the honeymoon period. So I'm just kind of wearing it all the time. So yeah, we, we think that's what, 70s or that particular one? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to try and date it at some point. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's either 70s, 80s or 90s because that's kind of when they were introduced. Um so I will find out and I'll come back to you. Fantastic. We look forward to hearing that update, but always good to have a new addition to the fleet. What does that bring you up to, Tim, roughly, <coughs> in terms of watch numbers? How many have you got? Not that many, lurking really. in the box? Yeah, not that many. I, I, I rarely buy a watch. It takes a lot for me to feel no like... Money. To <laughs> well, yeah, that as well. Um, no, to feel like <coughs> I can go like, yes, this is the one I, I actually want to buy. For some reason in my head, I like the idea of buying a watch and thinking, oh, I'll have this like forever. Mm. I probably won't. I'll sell it at some point. Um, so yeah, it takes a while for me to to commit to a watch. So it's probably only between like five or ten of watches I'd actually get. Like this is this is these are watches in my collection that I wear. It's, it's not many. Yeah. So you know how um lots of people selling myself, I think all of us included, we buy watches sometimes to not necessarily to sort of mark or celebrate an occasion, but it's very much linked with a certain time or event or moment. What will you associate that Cartier with? In your life, in your... I don't know, really. Um, a few years ago when my granddad passed, he, he loved going to France. He always went to France. They went any time they could. Um, so there's always, ever since that happened, there's always been a thing in my mind. I thought it'd be great to get a French brand to kind of, and he, he he never had nice watches like that. He wasn't that way, but he loved France. So I've always thought it'd be quite nice to get a French branded watch um, to kind of, I don't know, bring a connection to that in my own in my own way. And honour him. To honour him. him. And yeah. It doesn't get much more French than Cartier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll connect me a bit to that. Lovely. No, I think that's a, a brilliant watch. And um, we were just saying earlier, and I think all you need now is a tuxedo. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you see, <laughs> ideally I would wear it with a tuxedo rather than just jumpers, jeans and trainers, but you know. So grand, I'm calling this watch the granddad style, not because of my granddad, just because it's old school. Yeah, it's very old much school, old school, school watch, but, gold yeah. watch, granddad no, style. It's, it, it's interesting because like, you know, we think, it, you know, it could, as you say, be a 90s watch, but it, it looks very much older than that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's just Cartier down to a T really, isn't yeah. it? In, original style was introduced in like the 20s. I think it was even earlier than that, to be fair. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, the, the benefit of Cartier is they're timeless. So Beautiful. year old design. 100-year-old design. What is it? Quality never goes out of style. That's that was a motto. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it was someone else's motto. I've just nicked that, but I've forgotten whose. Yours now. Well, that does, yeah. <laughs> that um, sounds like a like Mercedes or something. something sounds like, like something that, like that. Isn't it? Yeah, I'll, yeah, try, yeah, I'll yeah. try and find out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. In the meantime, while uh, Tim tells us who said quality never goes out of style. Levi- Levi's. Levi's, there <laughs> you go. Makes sense. That's actually really yeah. good yeah, for Levi's. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fantastic. It's a very memorable slogan. Shame I couldn't remember the brand. Um, ben, you've been shopping and you've come out with um, something completely different. Yes. So Did I talk about go- eBay a lot. Yep. So uh, that's where it was from. After many hours of searching eBay, it seems <laughs> funny that it was bought at the same time as Tim bought his watch because it looks like I'm copying him. But, Stealing my thunder. Um, Who receives whose watch first? Whose who's was first on the wrist? Same day. No way. Or was yours first? I think mine might have been... I think I got mine Wednesday last week. When were you? I can't remember. It was too long ago. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. No, I th- I th- a anyway, very similar anyway. time frame. But he bought the watch first. Yeah. <coughs> he agreed the deal. Uh, oh, your hand. Which I guess spurred me to look at eBay <laughs> again. Right. Yeah, he held out his hand first. Mine was <laughs> second to, to outreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a deal that I would have picked up any day, any second of the year. Yeah. Because it was Definitely. quite frankly ridiculous. Um so the watch is an Aquastar, which is a brand that has just relaunched um, <coughs> with their iconic chronograph, um, which the design was from the same era as this. This is the Aquastar 63, which is a time and date with an internal rotating bezel. The watch that they've released, I guess, was part of the same series, but because it was a chronograph, it looked different. Um, but yeah, this is a, a mid-60s watch. Seems to be all original. It's even got the sign crown, which can be quite rare since in servicing. It would have just been replaced with a normal one had it have been damaged. Um, and yeah, just a great looking watch. Tropical brown dial from the aging. Um, I'm not sure what it would have been originally. Something closer to black, most likely, since the text on there is in a in a white colour. So against the brown, it's not massively readable, but it does look pretty cool. Um, yeah, loom evenly patinaed. The rotating bezel still works on the crown both ways when you set the time. The uh, rotating bezel doesn't move, which can be uncommon if a certain spring has been lost in a uh, servicing incident. And it, overall, it's in a really good condition. Um, and it was extremely cheap. And I think everyone <laughs> here knows how much it was, but yeah, <laughs> the watches tend to go for 500 or even more. And this one was listed at, well, you just listed it at an auction, so low price to begin with, I guess he was expecting to get more. Listed it for twenty eight. I offered twenty. He didn't accept. And then I offered thirty five and he did accept. Wow. But it was listed as a ladies' watch, so I'm not sure exactly what was going I through his mind um, <laughs> when he listed it. I think we need to keep a, a good eye on this seller's listings because it's a happy hunting ground, clearly. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of those but stories that you kick yourself for not being the person to be there ready with the money. 
thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me. And it really happens to the person you work next to every day. <laughs> Typical. Absolutely. It's an, um, amazing. You, you must have been stunned when it arrived because the yeah, condition is excellent. Talking to Tim about that, I was expecting like an A4 pit, like printout <laughs> of a picture of a watch to arrive or, you know, something just completely wrong. But when I opened it, yeah, apart from needing to change the Grim strap, it's, um, it's all there. It was surprisingly impressive yeah. how that turned out. For obviously for what you paid, but also the condition in general of in fact it's just a vintage watch like that's yeah. Good, yeah it's good condition even if that was it hasn't gone through a lot it. yeah it's considering it's supposed to be for, <coughs> for divers yeah uh, I don't think it's really I seen don't think the bottom it's of motion, seen much it? diving because <laughs> it's in a pretty good condition for a watch that's over double my age absolutely beautiful it's um you put a new strap on it one of uh, our straps what was on it originally something not so good just a weird leather strap which. Yeah was sticky and had a weird mm. buckle with green stuff on it. <laughs> oh, God. That's how you know hence, it's uh, Hence original. the low price. Yeah. Hence the low price. Exactly. Um, well, it looks much better now. Um, stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe you got it that cheaply. Yeah, it was fun. So it, uh, the, the hunt, I think, was more fun than... So what's, um, yeah. what's the moral of the story? Even if you're a gentleman, have a good ferret round the ladies' watchers section. Yep. I think that's what it is because sort of having heard about what happened here, I've just wasted way, way too much time ferreting through the ladies' watch sections of eBay's. Yeah. Now, oh, really? the, the, yeah, the, there's <laughs> quite a sort of funny adjunct to this because I spent so much time, in fact, looking through the uh, ladies' watch section of eBay. Do you know how eBay suggests things you might be interested <laughs> in? All sorts of ladies' accessories <laughs> are now being offered to me on a regular basis. Um, so we, next time we see you, you're going to be strutting in here with some high heels on. I think so. I you think handbag. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Sort of like, yeah, so you can look forward to that when we film the next podcast yeah. in drag. Um, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, yeah, coming soon Celebrate to Celebrate the first year. video podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but to be honest, look, if, if I find, um, here's a bet, if I find a watch as good as this at that price, I will do the next film podcast in drag. I mean, someone screenshot that. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that is going to happen. It's on surely. tape. It's on tape. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's it's worth it to find something for that at that price. I think so. Yeah, Ben, you need to list it. Change the strap. <laughs> list it for like sixty. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, you want to buy like, it? Bloody hell! Look at that. Make it Hold like out a, your range. Yeah, private listing and just yeah. send it to him. And she goes, "This is like yours, isn't it, Ben?" Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a good deal. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> must be the same guy who listed it. <laughs> I'll even hand deliver it. <laughs> That'll be it. Terrible moment when that happens. <laughs> <right>. Damn. <laughs> Watching um, one hand dressing the other. <laughs> well, absolutely, absolutely. But look, the good news is that when I do dress up in drag, I've got all these recommendations coming up to me courtesy of eBay. So you know, I won't have to look far. Oh yeah, you're true, sorted. True. So that's that's great, and I'll have a really nice watch. So I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I think a watch like that will look great if you're wearing a corset or whatever. It's a ladies' watch. Know. Yeah, we both we both Apparently. kind of got ladies' watches in size. Let's be honest, modern day. This is 37.5 by 48. Oh, yeah. is it by... F- oh, okay. Mm. What, what is the exact size of your watch, Tim? Because that is uh, small. It doesn't look It doesn't look so small on the wrist, actually. But, you know, when you take it off, mm. it's... Um, I think a lot of that is down to the fact it is the rectangular case. I think rectangular cases don't need to be large on paper to feel large on the wrist. Um, the width is... I have it on my phone somewhere. Uh... Ah, okay, here we go. It's 23.5mm by 30.5. Wow, so it is, is 
that's stitchy. Small. It's small. When you hear that, you think, wow, that's that's pretty small. Um, the modern tank small is 31 by, uh, oh, sorry, 24 mil by 31. So yes, it is technically smaller. Wow. Um, the, the modern tank that I would probably end up getting if I was to get one is 27 by 34. Mm. So yeah, they're, they're all similar ballpark, but yeah, they are, they are on the smaller size. Do you think sort of um, back in the 20s, men had smaller wrists? I mean, people were smaller. People have yeah. got bigger as, as as time goes on, haven't they? Not yeah. necessarily that much smaller, though. Like, not not then. Like, it's only, uh, what, like, sort of 20 to 100 years ago, so... Oh, three feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's 20 years, we just shot up in height. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, um, I just think watches were looked at differently. They, yeah. were, they weren't looked on as a fashion item. The people who wore watches were actually using them for a purpose. And the people that weren't doing that were, were probably pretty successful people to to have the yeah. time on their wrist all the time but also i think for that um it was more designed to fit under cuffs yeah like that was a, a lot more like we talk about that today but that was very much a key consideration mm. of it not like disrupting whatever fancy suit you wear in yeah the definitely yeah so. well it's funny because technology generally works on the basis that as things get more advanced they get smaller but mm. so the watches have sort of gone the opposite way haven't they i think it's that injection yeah. of the fashion side of things when it was how long ago was it? Probably about ten years ago, when the the Panerai boom happened and everything was was large. And now it's it is scaled back thanks to like the, the, a lot of the reissues and stuff. It's probably now more like f- average sizes for the whole industry. It's probably more like forty one, maybe forty two. It was before it was much more like forty three and onwards. So, it, but that is being dragged down a lot by those reissues that are coming out that are thirty seven mil and stuff. Mm. So it's it it feels like it's on the way down. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Although Rolex have thrown a spanner into the works by making a 41 mil Samarina. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Although, again, that's slightly deceptive as well, isn't it? It's, uh, when you yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Again, stats on paper and not everything with watches. We, yeah. say, it, we say it a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And what's quite interesting about your watch, Tim, is despite that small size, I can see it from here across the table, you can tell the time very, very clearly on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and you get used to that smaller size. Like, I, I was wearing my Rolex the other day, the sub, and it... It didn't feel like a massive jump up. I switched between the two pretty easily, and I that transition I got used to um, pretty instantly. So, yeah, if you're if you're someone who normally is very strict on the size of watch they wear, and it's I only wear forty mil, and that's it, I would encourage you to try try other sizes. Just if it's go into a boutique and just try them on and see how they feel. That's a good start. Um, but you'll be surprised at how how much of that I only stick to a certain size is just mm. based on your perception. Yeah. Absolutely, you can, you can change that pretty pretty easily. Absolutely, it's like a blind wine tasting. If you don't know the size, you might decide you really like it, despite the fact you think it's not what you like. Boom! There you go. <laughs> James, you were telling us earlier on about um, a, a a bargain, a purchase that you had made secondhand. Yeah, so my my vintage watch buying days are behind me. I think for the most part. Oh really? Well, <laughs> he's retired. <laughs> yeah, after a long. I started. came, <laughs> I conquered, and I left. Yeah, I've already been there, done that. Um, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so I've not bought anything for a while. Vintage, um, all brand new Rolexes. <laughs> yeah, every single one, stickers only. <laughs> well, my AD, you see, he yes, treats me nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've, um, I've, I, I have, I have owned a few, as I think we've discussed before. I have owned yeah. a few vintage pieces. Um, and I have had a few vintage bargains, um, one of which is quite similar to, to Ben's, um, in that I did find on eBay um, 
a lovely uh, vintage accurist of all things uh, skin diver from like the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and it was like well, the, the classic sort of really blurred photos. The description just says, you know, old accurist watch. And it was very, very hard to tell like what it was, uh, like the condition and all that. But I took a punt. It's um, a risk, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and it is like very much a case of, oh, you know. Um, but what I do want to see though in a listing. Well, yeah, yeah, just some really blurry pictures. Yeah. You can just make out it's a dive watch, and yeah. that's it. And it's like, okay. Someone listening wrong, and you're like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough to put other people off, but mm. not you. On yeah, the other hand, if someone's manifesting such obvious ignorance, it's probably a good sign, isn't it? Because well, you know, exactly. they might just have something that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the sort of thing you want, really, if you're hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I took a punt on it, and... Um, it arrived, and to be fair, the crystal was really scratched up. I think the bezel may have been gunked up with years of God knows what. The crown was missing. Sounding terrible um, so far. Why it was. Like it? it was. Well, but after after a service and a polish to the crystal, it was like new. Ah. Um, and, yeah, it was a really great watch, great condition underneath that crystal. Uh, obviously, the bezel just needs cleaning. New crown, easy, easy enough. So it's not signed, but oh well. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it for a bit and then I sold it for like 300 quid. So Fantastic. I had the last laugh. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, I guess there's a career to be made after buying and selling watches if on eBay. you're very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. like, there's a reason I'm here and not like on a yeah, vintage watch shop. Yeah, not a massively shop, fruitful like, career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like being a professional gambler or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I guess sort of like, yeah, sort of having the right pictures and listings uh, are interesting. I once saw... Um, a car advertised for sale on eBay. And um, I think it's a Peugeot 205 GTI 1.9. And uh, nice enough car. What, what yeah, I can, you think? I think it was. I think it's exactly this model. You, you'll, see, you'll see why. <laughs> you'll see why I thought it. Uh. Um, because it's, it's a nice car. And I can't believe that the man or the woman selling it couldn't find a better picture than the one that was posted. And the picture was of actually of the car on its side in a ditch. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you have to collect yeah. it from the ditch. <laughs> yeah. well, possibly. That's a bold move, listing yes. that. It's a, I mean... I it's know. like, look how durable this is. Yeah. <laughs> There's 100% confidence in this car selling. Yeah. I don't know if it's sold in the end. Oh, really? Um, but having said that, it got people talking, so maybe that's the idea. Yeah. Well, maybe it was just like set the expe- expectation right from day one. Like you can buy yeah. this car, but this is where it's been. So, yeah. It was maybe one of those sort of slightly overly honest listing so yeah. there is a scratch down the side and that's how it happened <laughs> <laughs> but it'll polish like out yeah, yes like it that. is completely fucked there is a picture of it in the ditch <laughs> yes absolutely one careful odour not this <laughs> car has been ragged to with an inch of its life if you're happy with that then buy it it was cheap well, yeah, to, be, to be fair if it's dirt cheap does it matter so much well absolutely and um, I think so by the time though you're accurate, by the time you've done all this work, how, how much do you have to outlay? Because it does sound like you know quite a lot was oh, done. No, you see, um, as I've, again, as I think I've told you uh, in a previous life, I did work at a jeweller's. Of course, you did. So I had access to a watchmaker at trade prices. There you go. So I think all that's, that's called an unfair advantage. I know it was beautiful. Hence why I did buy vintage watches back then because I right. could get them serviced cheaply. Um, I think in total, it probably set me back. Um, about 120 quid. I think I only literally paid about 50 quid for the service, um, which is insanely good value even a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And then sort of like we can see the profit margin happening, but it's a dangerous game, isn't it? Well, actually, I just remembered what, yeah, because yeah, A, profit margin, but B, this is a watch that I saw, and I think it is still on eBay because it's obviously changed hands since I sold it again. 
and I did find it on eBay again, uh, and someone was listing it for a grand. Wow. Which is, and it's it's not sold. It's still, I, I was checking this just the other day when I was mentioning it to one of you guys, mm. and it's still on there for like 500 quid, and it's just not sold in like four years now, I think we're talking <laughs> Four years on you. Yeah, yeah. Christ, that's a shit My listing. What? God, <laughs> yeah, who, who's just letting the it go? The guy must have spent sort of 600 quid on listing fees, I would have thought by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take some blurry pictures, stick it down to 100 quid, get it going. Yeah. On, Picture yeah. it in a ditch, whatever. <laughs> so again, that just goes to show, like, it's not easy to turn a profit on vintage watches. Well, or indeed sell them, by the sounds well, like. Yeah, well, not if you list it for that much. Do Accurist, by the way, do they still sponsor the speaking clock? Does everyone remember that? Everyone's sounding very blank. What year no. was this? <laughs> oh, not that old. Um, so what <laughs> used to happen... Like is the 60s. You no, know, no, no, no. He, he used to ring up the speaking clock and it used to say, at the third stroke, the time sponsored by Accurist will be 9.29 precisely. Doot, doot, doot. It, might, it might be your accent, but that sounds older. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds pre-tim. Well, it, it was, you know, it was obviously sort of like, you know... 1986. No way. That's <laughs> what it says here. Yeah, speaking oh, clock. yesterday. Yeah. I remember ringing up the speaking clock as a kid. And for some reason, I was fascinated by the speaking <laughs> clock. I've got no idea. But it does show that I had an interest in timepieces from a very early point. Mm. It's, so it's 1986 when they started or that, stopped? That was when they started. Okay. When did uh, they? How long did they carry on for? Because I do remember this more recently in 1986, I'm sure. Uh, that's a good question. And uh, but I wonder how much how much of an impact they had because you know accurist I will always associate with the speaking clock. Have you bought one because of your love for the speaking My clock? My dad has, but I don't know if it was his love for the speaking clock or if he just. So you're, the you're watch. a big advocate. <laughs> you remember it after forty years. Yeah, and you haven't even bought a watch. That was a not a very good sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Still front of mind though. Okay, that's true. Uh, would you like to know when it ended? I think it was more recently than that. I'm going to go for 1990. Oh, we're doing it, Ben. What do you think? You see, fascinating 89. quiz questions. Okay. So, 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 James, as the only accurate owner, we, we're relying well, on you to get this right. I think it's actually a lot later than you think. I think it's like 2001. I hope so, because that makes me obviously much younger than I appear. It's 2008. Thank oh. God for that. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, Supposedly when saying, oh, that's definitely pre-Tim. And like, you know, unless you've just suddenly turned, what, 12, then that's not <laughs> going to happen. Yeah, no, it, 2008 is when they announced their withdrawal and they moved to a website, British Real Time. There you go. That's so, late for mm, stopping a ring up. I, I, I've called that number before. Uh, before. Mm. I, I've done that before when I was younger. Pre-2008. What does it do? Just oh. tell you the time. I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, as Anthony's perfect uh, recreation <laughs> of it. At the third stroke, the time sponsored by Accurist will be 9.29 precisely. And then it beeps, and then it, that's what the I can't is. do the beeps. Okay, I can don't do worry. the rest of it. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. Cool. I must have been pre... I'm 2008, must have. After that, I was in school and, you know... You didn't have time to After that, you didn't grew it. your eyes and yeah. you see the time. <laughs> yeah, after that, we actually bought watches, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was the moment. Yeah. So does the speaking clock even still exist at all? Or? I don't know. I'm kind of tempted to find out. I think, I think you know, I've no idea how this happened. We do start off with a very, very loose agenda. How this turned into the speaking clock episode, I've got no idea. Should we find out live? But yeah, I think we should find out live. I blame James for mentioning Accurist because well, the only thing that I... Is, oh, hang on, can hang we on. Can we, can we put this on the microphone, please? Hang on. Nice on Tim's mic. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, this is uh this, this is live broadcasting as you never heard it before. At the third stroke, the time from BT will be it's BT. four 
Why is there an angry Glaswegian? On the, you know, I much preferred it as it was before. At the stroke, the time from BT oh, we're going again. So oh, there wow. you go. So it's still a thing. So the wow. speaking clock is still a thing. It that only costs five quid. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I... Um, it actually costs 50p a minute from the BT landline. Jeez. Oh, my God. I, I mean, you're not ringing that up for a minute, are you? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Oh, God, on the 60th stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? As a kid, I used to listen to it for ages. I hope it was cheaper back then. I probably uh, sort of like maybe, put my parents yeah. in penury. I um, love the idea of someone still using that when they have to lift up their phone. Some ninety to call the. That's true. Yeah, you could probably could do it through Alexa. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. yeah to, well, I, I remember when I did it as a kid. You had to lift up the receiver, and you had that sort of like circular thing. Did you have and to dial through to the operator? No, it wasn't a <laughs> yeah. trunk call. It wasn't a trunk call. It was like it's a, a two-handed job. One for the speaker. Yeah. One for the, yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. My number is Oxford Five. <laughs> Can you please put me through? No, it wasn't quite like that. Um, but I just found it fascinating. And what I found remarkable about it is that you know, obviously, the um, the accurate man said at the third stroke, the time once my accurate will be nine thirty. Beep beep beep. And then, of course, he knew what he was going to say next, which was at the third stroke, the time sponsored by Accurate will be 9.30 and 10 seconds. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and yet I hung on to sort of like, well, sometimes for minutes on end, I must Ooh, have been what if anything shot. changes? <laughs> I don't know what that says about you. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I think I must have been the only person who actually stalked the speaking clock. How old was were it? you? Like 16? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> you know, no. I was young, I was young. Um, I don't know, maybe I was a lonely kid. You know, yeah, the speaking yeah. clock was my friend. Your only friend. <laughs> oh God! This, this took a tragic turn. This, this uh, absolutely. Um, anyway, on that uh, cheerful note, um, we shall see you next time because, of course, next time we shall be live on camera, and we're all looking forward to this sort of new adventure in podcasting because we thought this should be more than just a podcast. You should be able to uh, see us. I don't know why. Thought that I think we were feeling sadistic at the time, um, but you'll be able to watch it on our YouTube channel. And uh, we'd like to keep on improving this show, uh, so we'd really love to hear from our regular listeners about what you think and what we can put in it. Uh, but while we're here, let's um, let's go around the table. What do you think we should put on our when, once we're on, like you know, live or not live? We'll be recording it, but once we're we're on the sort of silver screen or not even silver screen YouTube. Okay, I'm selling this a bit. What would you like to see on it? What do you think we should do? Drag. <laughs> Drag. Drag, that's a good idea. Do you know, um, there was a book published, which someone bought it for me. For a, uh, I think it was for a joke. And it was... It was <laughs> I think. The was <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> it was the, the memoirs of Quentin Crisp, I think. And it was called Let Me Die in Drag. Maybe they, know, maybe they know more about you than we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no point was there. Let me podcast in drag. But you know, we've got to have little Easter eggs. So we can have drag Easter eggs. James, what would you like to see on this Star Probably Wars Star Trek Star figures? I can have a different Star Wars mug each week. Oof. I can see it now. Oh my god, how many have you got? Um, not that many. I'll have to start a collection. <laughs> Please don't. Um, great. <laughs> Right, well, we'll be uh, looking forward to showing off all our gadgets. James with his Stormwalks mode. Anyone else got any embarrassing collections at home? Tim's looking a bit shifty. I think so. No, you're looking I think a bit so. sure. No, I, I think for anyone else, I'd probably just say watches. And people yeah. go, well, watches. But it's a safe space here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mind you, I can't talk about... I can go around accusing people of being weirdos when I just admitted to bring up the speaking clock because it was my own <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> Yeah, you've got no leg to stand on now. Yeah. None whatsoever. We'll bring him in one day. <laughs> Do you know what? Get though? a clock, get a bloke dressed up as I a clock. Think, and go, Here he is. 
No, I think he's right from Glasgow. Oh, I'm sorry. So crying. many people just want to know the time. He can't get away from work. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be there. <laughs> what, I want to, what I want to ask the Glaswegian fellow is what he did with my mate. You know, the sort of like posh one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Budget cut. Well, you know, no, yeah. I think I think there might be some wrongdoing there. <laughs> right, you're looking at me. All right. oh, I'll have your job. Outsource the job to uh, Scotland. <laughs> that sort of thing. Nice. So, um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for listening. The next time you see us, we will be on camera. Um, and we'll have lots of special guests as well. We want to bring in a few special guests. We might even persuade the speaking clock to come. <laughs> yeah, if he's I'll alive. leave that one for you to reach out to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After your investigations of trying to find the original speaking clock. <laughs> well, I'll imagine that as a podcast guest. The original you know what, that voice would, of the speaking that would, that would be awesome. The only question would be, what's the time? <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening, Anthony's number is. <laughs> Who sponsors you? Yeah. Right. Thank you very much for listening. We shall literally see you next time. I'm sorry and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. And be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast, so we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.